involved in the court, her knees buckle. Saying for a man to survive, he need hustle. Seen and been through struggle a whole life. Made the transition from being his whole to his wife. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dialogue Real Talk Real People. Tonight we are launching our month-long series on the new Inglewood. Inglewood is being gentrified, is being revitalized, is being renewed, and we are loving it here in Los Angeles, California, Inglewood, California. I'm going to bring on my guest co-host for this series, Mr. Odest Riley. Hi, Odest. Hey, guys. How, How you doing? doing? Star? Thanks for having Odest me on. is an Inglewood star. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit about him uh, to introduce you to him, but he's going to be with us all month long. Uh, he is the CEO of WLM Financial, which is a real estate and lending company that seeks to provide urban development and financing opportunities in minority-based communities. He's also a contributing writer at Inglewood Today, where he offers real estate advice and insight on housing in the Inglewood real estate market. Uh, he's also one of our most uh, uh, civically engaged young professionals in the city of Inglewood. He's the founding member of the Black Los Angeles Young Democrats, or Blade, and a former political director for the Los Angeles County Young Democrats. And he's also worked on numerous political campaigns, including the newly elected Assemblyman Reginald Joyne Sawyer. And he is an Inglewood alum, Inglewood High School alum. So please welcome my co-host, Mr. Odess Riley, who Mayor Butts knows very well. I'm sure you didn't see no Odess in the streets. You didn't see no Odess in, in the look, meetings. I, I see him all the time. And let me tell you something. I take note of people. Because there are very few people in the city that are taller than I am. <laughs> I and, know he is tall. That's right. <laughs> only, only when I'm standing up. Were you up. trying to be a Laker too? Yeah, that was the plan. I think that for was, most of us at one point, um, blew a knee out in college and had to learn how to read and count. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like you've done it very well. Uh, you had said during the commercial break that uh, Inglewood had one of the most uh, prominent white flights in history. I think up until 1992. If I'm correct, and I can't remember the other city, but Inglewood until that point was the largest white flight in the history of America. And it was it went almost overnight from being all white mm -hmm. to predominantly black. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was like a blink. If you looked at the yearbooks when we were in school, it literally changed from, oh, there's no black people to, oh, there's no white people. So were you when you you were a resident of you grew up in Inglewood um, from Highland through Crozier, Highland, Crozier, Inglewood High. And so were you always civically engaged? No, I got more civically engaged after I went to college and okay. I went to a predominantly white college and they made us go out and volunteer at the community centers. And at the time, you know, I was a basketball player and I was really upset about having to do it. But I went out and we were working with these kids, I think in the Cabrini Greens. And it was such a good time mm -hmm. that when I moved, when I finished school and came back, it was something that I told myself that I'll always be involved in my community. And so when you came back, who was mayor at the time? It was Dorn. Okay, all right. And so you've you've kind of monitored the political process, the political landscape in Inglewood uh, since coming back and being civically engaged. Um, and I know you are a, a big supporter of Mayor Butts. So just talk about Mayor Butts uh, as the mayor of your your birth city, your your native city that you grew up in, and the progress that he's done, and how he's engaged young professionals in the redevelopment efforts. Um, one of the biggest things I've enjoyed about being around him since he was elected is seeing that he actually has a plan. Okay. You know, I was um, friends with um, Danny Tabor, who was actually the mayor for a short amount of time before they ran again and um, Mayor Butts won. And one of the issues I had was there didn't seem to be a direction set up. Okay. It was always an argument. It was kind of a joke. You go to a city council meeting and it would just be five people up there arguing mm. and nothing would get done. It'd run all night and I'd leave and the next week it'd be the same thing. And people took pride in it. 
Okay. Why, why do you take pride in that? I think it was, oh, we're gritty. We're tough. We're going to stand up for ourselves. But they weren't getting anything done. Uh-huh. Was that your experience, too? Oh, my goodness. I, I have to tell you that um, during the time I was running when I came back, before I left, you know, in the police department, you're more or less insulated from City Hall. In fact, the, the culture was, if unless you were summons to the ninth floor, which is where administration was, police officers didn't go to City Hall. So okay. we were an entity unto ourselves. And when I came back... Even though you're right next door? Even though you're right next door. We had the public safety mission, and, and, and it was good. And, and the way politics were then, it was good to be insulated from politics okay. because, you know, you're supposed to provide equal service to everyone okay. regardless of political orientation and uh, when I started coming to council meetings and saw that basically they were platforms to campaign mm. for five six seven hours and people would bring factions of supporters to badmouth certain people on the council mm -hmm. and there was no objective to the dialogue um, the the issues that were on the agenda were fairly straightforward and they should have been easily resolved and voted upon okay. but they would go from seven to midnight to one in the morning and then recess and come back the next morning sometimes and nothing would be resolved it, 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 it was it was i saw them argue one night about getting some red um stop signs on the streets um how you put the red marks mm -hmm. on the curb and they couldn't agree on who the contractor was going to be mm -hmm. for an issue that was so simple as, you know what, no one can see that this is red and people are parking there. And the argument was just, so the, I don't like this contractor. So was the, was, were the residents cognizant of the dysfunction? No, no, they were not. They thought this is what normal was. This is all they knew. Okay. This is the, and and the, we, we've gone from six and seven hour council meetings to our average council meeting now is 20 to 30 minutes okay all right just straight to the point straight it's, to the it's point it's about business oh i know you had some questions that you wanted to uh, ask mayor butts one of the questions i had mayor butts is i saw you know i read a lot about your transition for how you moved up through the police department but then you ended up at the lax at lax as the head of um what is it head of security and law enforcement. Mm -hmm. How was the transition going into that? Because that's a whole different ball game. That's an amazing story in and of itself. Let me, let me start this by saying, I never ended up doing one single thing in life that I intended to do, but I ended up doing everything that I needed to do. Nice. All right? So when it came to LAX, I was three years past my maximum retirement accumulation when I was in Santa Monica. I was working for three cents on the dollar. I enjoyed it so much. Okay. And uh, a headhunter came. Uh, the maximum matter of fact, it was the headhunter that recruited me for Pasadena, for Arizona, and, one, and San Francisco. And he asked me just to come and take this interview at the airport because they felt they wanted an aviation um, security expert because there had been an expose on channel nine david goldstein kcal news about the lax police department and the the fuel form at lax being non-secured in the airport was you know not a secure place and uh so they were certain they wanted an aviation person and so i came and interviewed and and I, I'll never forget it. And they said, so what do you think the problems with our security? I said, we really don't have a security problem. You have an organizational culture problem. Mm. 
you you don't define your missions for your security personnel, for your police department, and for the ancillary agencies that serve you here, the FBI, uh, Customs Border Protection. Okay. Everybody's out doing their own thing. And I said, and you don't have an overarching technology plan to protect yourself uh, and leverage your your um, human assets. And, uh, you know, that was it. That was sum and total of my my interview. It was longer than that, but that was the main thrust. So I left, went home, uh, dressed to go back to work. You know, I did my, did my favor for the headhunter. Mm -hmm. And they said they were going to have a, another set of interviews in a week where they narrowed it down to one or two people. And, and I get a call. For, his name is Bob Murray. And he says, he says, Chief, where are you? I said, what do you mean, where am I? I said, I'm at home changing to go back to work. He says, well, the executive director wants to talk to you right now. He says, they, 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 they want to make you an offer. Wow. And so I came back and met with uh, the chairman of the board of airport commissioners and the uh, Lydia Kennard, who was executive director at the time. Mm -hmm. And we had a detailed conversation about what I meant about police culture and, and organizing uh, the operation. And um, long story short. Has there short, ever been a job that you've interviewed for that you didn't get? Not since the age of 19. <laughs> <laughs> you got a, you just a bomb interview. You didn't teach the interview skills. I, I know you had some more questions. Yeah. Once you got there, though, um, how did you have to change your mindset from coming from police chief? What was the biggest evolution of working there? You, you See, here's the thing that most people do not understand about this world. Um, we have a country that is a capitalistic country, right? And so you can make as little as you want or as much as you're able to. And because those principles predominate, predominate that means every organization, whether you realize it or not, is either a for-profit or not-for-profit organization. Right. Mm -hmm. And so not-for-profits, the only difference is, is that you don't get right. to amass bags of money that sit somewhere taxes, unused. Right. Exactly. They have to be used for a public purpose. And if you don't think like that, then you waste money and you waste time. And I'm so glad you said that because so many nonprofits run their business like they're nonprofit. There's mm -hmm. a lot of our mm -hmm. black ones and they don't, mm -hmm. they don't think from a business perspective or Trying they are treated like a, mm -hmm. a, a business, mm -hmm. right? And, and, so, and so the first thing that you have to do with any organization, first you have to decide, why are we in business? Right. What is our core business? Why do we exist? Why do taxpayers pay money for us to be here every day? And then... Once you figure that out, now you have to figure out how, well, how do we create objectives to meet the goals of what we're here for. Then you develop strategies to implement those objectives. And then the most important thing you can do is you can create an understanding in the people that work for you that what you do is for a worthwhile purpose and it means something that you're here every day. Most organizations mm -hmm. that are civil service you have people that come to work today and do things. And those things might have something to do with what they did yesterday. They might have something to do with what they do tomorrow. But in most instances, it's pure accident. You know why? Mm -hmm. Because that check comes every other Friday, right. whether you do it anything or not. I know that's right. All right? I know that's All right? right. And so Absolutely. if you don't have a leader that believes in a sense of urgency and customer service and a sense of purpose and translates that to the people that he or she supervises, then what happens is you have what you have in most cities. You have little silos and kingdoms. Department heads whose main purpose is to make sure they get the money they got last year, 
hide the money that they have left over this year and run their operations. And that's as how the airport was pretty much put together. And that's, that's pretty much how things worked. And I had 1,100 employees. And okay. That's pretty much how things worked. So that same customer service mentality, do you take that into the city of Inglewood? Is that something that you, you, you know, absolutely you or you spew to you to the leadership is, is customer service a absolutely let me tell you something when you're a manager and you get an email from the mayor at 2 30 or 3 in the morning about something that happened in new york with questions like okay could this happen here to us if not why not and if if it could what could we do to prevent it mm. When you get emails at three in the morning from the boss, you say, "Hey, this this guy's serious about what we're doing," right. and they translate that down to their people, and everybody understands now we have a purpose and a sense of urgency. Now, one person cannot make a difference by themselves. It has to be a team effort. It has to be a team effort. And so, the one of the biggest manifestations that I've seen in the city of Inglewood, you have employees that are proud to give good customer service, proud that. to do their jobs well. And it shows because I am I get a poll every day I walk out uh, in public, every day I go to the market, every time I go to the gym. You know, the polls that we get now, the spontaneous declarations of how proud they are to live in Inglewood and how the, the service they've gotten, that makes me feel wonderful. How did you decide, like, you know, you're, you're police chief, you're at LAX. You're running this mo running. this huge place with more people flying. Caller, in. I, I know you're on the line. Hold on one second. I'm gonna let Odessa ask this question. And I'm gonna more come to you. More people flying in than anywhere else, and just crazy theft and all these different things. When did you start getting the mindset that you know I might want to run for mayor? When did you? When did that light bulb go off? Okay, first of all, I hired the police chief. I wasn't the chief. I, I I hired the police chief. I was the deputy executive director in charge of homeland security, okay. and public safety. But first of all. I never intended to run for elected <laughs> office. Let me explain this to you. My favorite word, and I can say it now, um, when I was uh, uh, a command person, I thought elected officials were pinheads. And I said that for this reason. Uh -uh. Because it seemed they cared about two things, getting elected and getting reelected. Right. And everything else was a distant third. So how and, do you go from that? How do you go and, from being seen and, as a and, pinhead and he, to... Here's all, here, no, here's all that happened. Um, time came. Some people from Inglewood approached me. They said, you know, we think we're going to go bankrupt. Would you please run for mayor? You know, and uh, there was no incumbent mayor at the time. And I felt that um, I was offered another position that paid significant money. But I felt like I owed the city of Inglewood because that's where I got my start. Yeah. And I said, and this is what I said, I said, how hard could it be <laughs> little to become, did he become know. the mayor? <laughs> right. Little, little did, did you know. With, with, with my resume and background, I said, how hard could that be? It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life to be elected mayor. I ran in four elections, um, two for the temporary seat, two for the permanent seat, got kicked off the ballot in one of them um, because they said they didn't get my paperwork. They got it a day late. Um, got me yelled at for voting for him. Exactly, exactly, and uh, and then one only one of those four elections came in second every other time, and that was the the uh, runoff for the permanent seat. That I was mean, the first time just I won. The, just a little cliff notes I've got on your background and your you know work experience. You seem like you would have that was like a natural evolution to you know political office, especially from a leadership perspective and being mayor. 
of mm-hmm. Angua. I can't believe you never considered it. I never considered it because I I saw the way elected officials in the ag. There's some great. And they were ele- pinheads. There's some great elected officials, but <laughs> not all of them. But there definitely there's some were pinheads some pinheads out there for sure. But 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 as a group, I was not impressed with the way decision making occurred. Remember when you're in the police department the police chief has the last word mm-hmm. and if you know what you're doing you can run a very very effective organization if you care about people you promote people in an egalitarian fashion based upon their uh, intelligence abilities and contributions okay all right. Mayor, All right. I think we have um, people trying to. I know. Ask you a I, few I know questions. our phone lines are blowing up. Did they? Okay. The, I'm sorry. I just had to get that little bit out. Please call back. I know our phone lines are were blowing up. Please give us a call back, and we're going to patch you in to ask a question um, of uh, our mayor here. Um, you have one more question that you want to ask? Yeah. Um, I know when you were running, one of the platforms you were, one of your biggest things was reduction of crime in the city. Um, I've seen the drop. How did you go about implementing that? Well, for first of all. Good police chief, Mark Franerata, excellent police chief. Uh, we implemented four gang injunctions, which are civil actions, which basically prohibit identified gang members from associating, communicating, doing certain activities, uh, and so it makes it harder to associate as a gang member. But we also do scientific deployments of where we where we place our police resources, we try. I see to, you, caller. We're going to get to you. I'm we, sorry. we try to have a predictive model of policing where we are putting our resources where they're needed, and um, the result is the same as it was in Santa Monica. We were experiencing our five lowest consecutive years of crime in the history of the city. We started keeping crime stats in 1978. I know. Thank you for that, Richard. And that is fantastic. And so 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 we continue. The trend continues on. In fact, last year. We had our least number of homicides in the history of Inglewood. We had 10. Um, and uh, we've had years in the city where we've had 55 homicides. And I'm sure that's attractive to some of the new investors that are coming in and in terms of this whole revitalization that the crime is down. Well, it's, it's interesting. The LA Times did a story yesterday on San Bernardino. And for some reason, they used the 2014 crime stats where we had 20 homicides, which is still a low year for Inglewood. Right. But if you'd use 2015... Uh, it would have been even more dramatic the drop, but but when you the point that getting back to your point, people, billion dollar corporations do not invest in a city they feel is plagued with crime. People do not pay escalating housing prices in cities they feel are plagued with crime. crime property values in England have gone up. I know at least 85 percent since the end of 2012. All my real estate people are here. This is where you need to be investing your dollar. I mean, you should have been investing a few years mm, ago. It's a little late now. It, 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 there's still some pockets <laughs> of opportunity. Do we still have a caller? Hi, caller. Thank you so much for holding. You're on the dialogue. Do you have a comment or question for Mayor Butts? Caller? Now that I got you, you want to hang up now? Are you there? All right, caller, please go back uh, and let us know uh, what your thoughts are. Um, when you were going through the election um, at the time, it was said to have been tumultuous. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about that experience. Um, why was it so tumultuous? Well, when you, when you, I think all elections to a certain degree that are contested are tumultuous, but the I believe my opponents felt it was necessary to denigrate me personally to overcome what would be an apparent um, work experience and educational advantage. And what was that? What was that like? Because we see with Hillary and with 
you know, Donald, how they get so intrusive in some of their personal lives, the emails now with, with Colin Powell. So you never had that type of intrusion um, or, or, or your brand or your, your you know, well, persona being attacked like that. Well, first of all, it costs money to attack people like that. Okay. Um, and unless CNN and MSNBC uh, and Fox News does it for you, you have to pay for that kind of stuff. So in, in local city elections, it's more word of mouth and whisper. I would tell you that... Um, uh, the, the requirements to become an elected official in California and particularly in Inglewood, you have to be over 21 and not convicted of a felony. Okay. And after that, the requirements are pretty thin. And so... That's the but, basics? But name recognition is everything. Mm -hmm. And even though I had been there 20 years ago, had to start from scratch. So I walked every day from during the week from 5... 30 to about 9 o'clock, knocking on doors, introducing myself to people from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. every Saturday. And I went to three church services every Sunday. I did this for a solid year through four elections. You had no idea what you signed up for. Excluding Easter uh, and Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I had no idea um, it would be such a challenge. But once I get into something... I'm in it to do the best I can so that I know at the end of the day I did everything that I could. And I want to ask you how that impacted your, your family in, during that time. But we have a caller. Hi, caller. Did you call back? You there? Caller. I hear you in the background. You, don't be scared. He's not going to bite you. Okay. Why are, they, why are you guys so scared? Call back and ask the question. So what was that like on your family life? Well, I mean, my family actually was very entirely supportive, including my in-laws and Everybody was all in. In fact, the thing that warmed my heart the most, you expect your family to be with you. Mm -hmm. But when police officers from the airport, police officers from Santa Monica, police officers from Inglewood that were there when I were there, when they came to volunteer on Saturdays to walk for me, mm -hmm. that uh, that did something to me. Because I'm, I'm a person that's used to providing a platform of opportunity for others. And when... When these are things I couldn't do for myself, they transferred their credibility to me. So, Odessa, you said you got some beef when you supported him. It wasn't – well, at the time I was, um, I was an alternate on the Central Committee, um, and I was the alternate for Angie English, a good friend. And I saw um, Tabor, I saw Mayor Butts, and I saw a few other. We were doing endorsements. And I really liked what he was talking about. And I hadn't been given the word that I was supposed to vote for Tabor. So I was like, you know what? I really like what he's talking about. So what, would, what, what was it specifically? It was specific that he had a specific plan. That he had a what plan. I that hate he had vision. about listening to politicians is when they tell you, I'm going to fix the deficit. And then you go, how? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing. Oh, I'm going to reduce crime. How? Well, once you elect me, I'll tell you how to do it. We asked him questions, and he already had it laid out. Okay. And for me, that's important because people will get behind you if you tell them where you're going. Okay. But nice. when you get there and just say, hey, let's get this together and let's figure it out on the way, people have a, a sense So of what did you mean you were supposed to vote for Tabor? That I hadn't been told. You know, I was young. I had just gotten put on the committee, and I was voting for, um, voting for a seat that I really didn't know much about. And they were supporting Tabor. The okay. group was like, hey, this is who we're backing. And me, I think I was the one or two votes that voted for Mayor Butts. And yeah, I was um, called to the office, per se, to say, and told that, you know, that's not the way we're going. And they had to do a revote and a few other things to uh, change it. And so you remember what it was like during that time? Oh, it was, the political climate. It was what very, was it? It was very contentious. Okay. Um, uh, 
uh, Danny Tabor, he just started talking to me again recently. Oh. And I, I'd known him for years. <laughs> and, you know, politics is a, it's a brutal Danny game. Danny Tabor from Soul Train. Ex-Soul Train dancer. You know, he's, a, he's a good guy. He really is. He is a good guy. I just, but I was laughing when you told me he used to be dancing on Soul Train. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean, it was just a different environment. I mean, there were seats in, on the city council that were just, you knew who was going to win. Mm-hmm. And they were just entrenched in status quo and growing up in Inglewood I mean I was there when things were bad it mm. was a bad place to be for a long mm. time 19- so you've seen the the decrease in the reduction in crime and you've seen how he has transformed the city I can tell you about 1996 when I graduated from high school and a lot of my friends passed away that summer okay. it was one of the worst summers out there mm-hmm. and it was how do I get out of here it right. wasn't how to end when mm-hmm. I would tell people in Chicago like I had street cred just by saying I'm from Inglewood. Wow. It was I didn't really have to. I've played basketball, but I said I'm from Inglewood, and people were like, "Oh, yeah, it's in all the rap songs. It's it's bad place. You must be tough." Right, 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 and, right. And so you're you're going through a rebranding process oh, with Inglewood. Complete rebranding. Yeah, I, 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 we we have really turned the corner. Um, I would tell you if I stop being mayor tomorrow, here's what I would be the most proud of when I um, took office and when I listened to people talk and uh, people would ask people okay so where do you live and they said oh I live just outside of LAX mm-hmm. or I live right next to Westchester mm-hmm. or I live just south of Culver City or I say North Inglewood or, 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 <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or I live I live there right next to Ladera uh-huh. when you ask people from Inglewood where they live right now so I live in, I live Ingl- in Inglewood, Inglewood, California. California. And Absolutely. What? And everybody gathers around you, and they ask you about the forum, and they ask you about the stadium, and There's they a ask sense of pride. you about what's next. And mm-hmm. people are proud. Yes, so, they are. So I'll be in the gym working out, and, and somebody will say, Mayor, I don't want to interrupt you. I want to tell you one thing. Thank you for making us proud to be able to say we live in Inglewood. And that says it all right there because that encapsulates what that means. We fix the roads. We trim your trees. That means we keep you safe. That means we've attracted economic development. That means we've made the nation respect you. That means we're about to get gentrified. Yeah. One one of my favorite things is <laughs> I, I'm not mad. we use the MLS. It's on the multiple listing service for real estate. And it used to be, like he said, people would say they would try to make themselves outside of Inglewood. Now we have the exact opposite. It'll be a house in L.A., the cusp, mm-hmm. and they'll use all of Inglewood's information so that they can <laughs> get a higher price for their property. And it's right. hilarious. Right. We're talking to Inglewood's Mayor Butts. Please give us a call here. All my callers that dropped, please call back. We want to hear from you with your comment or your question for our absolutely fantastic mayor. 323-473-3100. 323-473-3100. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And we're going to ask Mary, what's on this iPod? You like hip-hop? What you listen to? We'll be right back. We know there are many choices in internet radio, and the staff and hosts of LA Talk Live would like to thank you for choosing the internet's hottest destination for the most eclectic sound and invigorating talk. This is LA Talk Live. We are more than just talk. 